Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, at, at the Resting Place, we have our core values, honor everyone, empower everyone, and have faith for everyone. And we really want to empower, you know, um, honor is not agreement. You know, uh, honor is assessing value. Like, we know you have value. We know you you have a kingdom identity, and we're helping you discover that here on earth. Um, and we want to empower you. A lot of people go to churches, and they'll say, oh, I wasn't given a chance, or um, there weren't opportunities for me to do something. And we're like, this campus specifically, we're very evangelistic. We're very prophetic, but we're very evangelistic. And I believe in everything that we learn here, we take out to the streets. Everything God is doing from releasing prophetic words, releasing song. Like so many churches, people are focused on being on a keyboard, being on an instrument in the church, right? They want a platform. Like everybody's after a platform. But that is not it. You are God's platform. You are the platform. You are the altar that God stands up on. And releases his glory, releases his might. We empower it here. This is like a school, but this is not the end game. This is the beginning. And then you learn these. You learn these tools. You learn what um, healed prophecy really looks like. Because I know there's been trauma in the past. I know that uh, we've been hurt through prophecy. We've been hurt through the very gifts that God gave us to build the church. The enemy has taken them, twisted them, and hurt people with it. Pastoring has hurt people. Prophecy has hurt people. Teaching has hurt people. Evangelism has hurt people. And instead of using these gifts that God gave them, that's what they call the ministry gifts, instead of using them to draw people to God in our perverse mindset of being human, we've hurt people. We casted people out. And um, in, in TRP, God's really used uh, Tracy Irwin as the uh, senior prophetic leader to bring healing to what prophetic looks like, right? Because, I mean, I remember growing up, and when the prophet was coming, people wouldn't even show up to church because prophecy was used to call out sins and shame people. Or people went to the other extreme. It was all about money, 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 and buy my jacket. If you buy me some shoes, then I'll give you a word. I mean, talk about extremes, Talk about taking advantage in either direction. Either you're subjugating people to fear or you're taking advantage of them. And what God wants to do, it's like, can I do this the right way? Can I raise up a people that understand what prophetic looks like? Can I raise up a people that will demonstrate what true evangelism looks like? You know, evangelism has been people going to the streets and going, you're going to burn in hell. And it stayed right there. Or you have the other extreme, which is like, hey, it's okay. Do whatever you want and blah, blah, blah. I, again, either extremes. The devil always comes to bring an extreme. But where did Jesus Christ die? Jesus, Jesus didn't die on the right of the cross. Jesus didn't die to the left of the cross. You know why? Because if you go to the extreme, there's a thief. And if you go to the other extreme, there's a thief. The Savior is right in the middle. And that's why he died, right in the middle. 
If he would have died all the way to the left of her cross, it would have fallen that way. If he would have died all the way to the right, it would have fallen that way. He was right in the middle. If you go too far, you're going to deal with a thief. And if you go too far the other way, you're going to deal with a thief. But if you go to the middle, you'll find Jesus. And what we want to do is we want to come back to the middle. I've been in both. I've been in type of churches in that extreme, and I went to churches in that extreme. And I was like, this is wrong. And then when I went to that extreme, I was like, this is wrong. I need Jesus. I need Jesus because I wasn't looking for permission to do whatever I wanted because I encountered Jesus. I wanted wholeness. I wanted healing. And I do believe that the church looks different. It looks different than the carnal church, and it looks different than the world. It looks different. And what we're doing with, um, with Move With Compassion, it's like we're bringing the restoration to what evangelism looks like. What Tracy has done for Prophetic by, by doing activating uh, workshops and doing the encounter workshops, even Jesus Lab is training people a kingdom identity, kingdom prophecy. How do you minister a prophetic word? Even when there's brokenness, it doesn't mean it's okay. I could prophesy to a bound person. I see you free. I, I prophesy to people in sin about their deliverance. It doesn't mean I'm ignoring their sin. I'm looking them through the lens of the spirit. And when you begin to look at people, not through the carnal lens, but through the eyes of God, it doesn't mean that what they're doing on earth is okay. It means there is a hope and there is a salvation. And that I'm not speaking the temporal things, but I'm speaking the eternal things. Does that make sense? And we want to do the same thing with evangelism. Evangelism has become, or, or it became, I should say, a numbers game. How many people are we getting saved? You got to repeat this prayer. Bye. We don't follow up with people. We don't love on people. We just make them say a prayer, then we bounce. But is that salvation? Salvation is not a prayer. Salvation is a person. And that person's name is Jesus. He's the one that died on the cross of Calvary. We could use different methods. And praise God, throughout time, people develop methods to get people saved. Whether it's a salvation prayer, whether it's a... The, oh, my God, there's so many ways that I've learned, the ways of a master. You, you got to go through the Ten Commandments and get them to confess that they're a sinner. It's not confessing that you're a sinner that saves you. It's confessing that you need Jesus that saves you. Because the people in the world know they're wicked. I'm wicked. Does that? Oh, I'm wicked. I'm a sinner. Does that save me? There's no salvation power in me just saying I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. Or I'm wicked. There's salvation power when I recognize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And that Savior's name is Jesus. There is power in that name. There is power in that blood. It does something that science and man cannot even explain. So what I want to do is I want to bring it back to Jesus. But how can people know Jesus if they don't know who Jesus is? How can they know if nobody's telling them? But how can they tell them if they're not sent? We're sending people. I hope you realize we're not just trying to do status quo. I don't want you to think that we're just trying to do what the church thing does. No. We're sending people because you were not sent somewhere else. We're about to send you. We've been sending people. We're showing you, look, this is where you could go, and this is where you could go, and this is what you could do. Now, it's going to be up to you if you're going to run with it. I can't force you. We're going to open doors. 
and we're creating connections with different organizations, with different ministries, with different um, groups of people that are doing different things to see where you could fit in and see how you can be exposed to releasing gospel and being gospel because you are the good news. You're the good news. You're bringing the good news. Now, people are afraid to give their testimony. I'm telling you, that's the biggest lie of the devil. He's trying to make you think that Abraham's story is more better than your story. And people, so many Christians think Abraham just got it. No, I don't. Jesus got it. Stop giving me a credit that does not belong to me. Stop giving me a glory that does not belong to me. He met me in my broken place. He met me in my sin. He's met me in my brokenness. He's met me in my pain. And he will raise you up just like he did with David in Isaiah 55. And he raised him up to be a representation of the kingdom on earth. He, re he raised them up as a witness before the nations that God will take a broken child, a rejected child, a forgotten child, an abused child, and he'll put them in front of kings and queens. And that God is still doing it today. God is still raising up broken people. God is still meeting, hurting people in their mess. And he's creating a message out of the mess. He's creating a testimony out of their test. He's bringing glory out of their brokenness. But we so easily get captivated on the person. You don't admire Abraham. You don't even know the real Abraham. You're only admiring the glory of God that's upon me. But when you got to deal with my nasty little attitude, that way, let's talk about a different story. Wally knows she went with me on a road trip for like 15 hours. She saw my attitudes. I'm like, shut up, don't talk to me right now. We're human. Everybody trying to get up on a pulpit and act like they got it together. I don't got it together. I'll tell you that right now. I don't got it together. I'm a hot mess. But I'm a hot mess that loves Jesus, and Jesus loves this hot mess. And he's perfecting his goodwill in my life. And that's the beautiful thing. So now what we want to do, we really want to get the church to not go evangelize to evangelize. Because that's what Christians do. That's why, what is the movement of the evangelism ministry called? It's called move with compassion. My first goal, my first goal is not, oh, get people out of hell. We got to get people out of hell. You don't even have the right heart. You're in hell yourself. Like, if you are not moved with compassion, you're doing it wrong. So shut up, sit down, and listen. Let's teach you some compassion. Let's teach you to be moved in love. Now, you know how many Christians go out, look at them filthy sinners. I went out with them. I saw it. I used to break my head all the time. Ugh. I heard Christians say, ugh. And I'm like, like what, do you, what do you mean? Oh, they just want it for drugs. I've been with people driving out outside of church. And a, a, a person's with a sign, I need help. They just want it for drugs. What do you mean? You just got out of church, and the first thing you're doing is they want it for drugs. You don't even know what they're going through. And this is how Father Church has come. We don't want to accept it, but we're the modern-day Pharisees. We proclaim he's coming on a mighty war chariot to chop down the heads of the enemy. We all say it just like they did. Oh, we're waiting for the wrath of the Lord. He's coming for me because he's going to save me. Screw you, but save me. That's Christianity in these times. 
And God is confronting that fakeness. Because true Christianity says, if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. If he met me in that broken place, he's going to meet you in that broken place. He got in my mess, so I'm getting in your mess. Come out. Let's go. That's true Christianity. But we've gotten so comfortable in our churches. We've gotten so comfortable in our systems and our songs and our praises and everything's beautiful. But what about the hungry world? He came to feed the hungry he came to save the lost. He came to give sight to the blind and hearing to the, hearing to the deaf. He gave, came to give a voice to the mute. He came to raise the dead and make the lame man dance. So why is the church not going? Why are the churches not going? Well, together, which is supposed to be about Pentecost, but what happened after Pentecost? Did it stay in the upper room? Did it stay in the upper room? Or we just want to celebrate and go home and go to sleep? Or are we gathering to then go preach, to then go feed, to then go heal, to then go set captives free? Because we need to decide. What is this about? What is the culture we're setting? To be set in four walls again? Just gathering with our people or are we going to meet the broken? When will we believe that we're healed? When will we believe that we're restored? Praise God for the Christians getting together. But something else got to happen after that. Something else got to happen. Something else got to happen. If we're just going to gather and then go home, then we miss the point of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came to empower us to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just to teach. Because what I'm doing right now is teaching. When I go to the streets and I preach. I learned a long time ago, in the church you teach, in the world you preach. And God is looking for preachers. God is not looking for teachers. We have a lot of teachers in the churches. They're calling themselves preachers, but they're teachers. They are not preachers. But God is looking for preachers. God is looking for someone that will open their mouth. That's why Heather said, we went to the prison. They went to create it. There's been a lot of ministers going. But not many people have been bringing the power of the Holy Ghost and fire. And God is looking for a people that is going to bring some Holy Ghost and fire. The girls at the detention center need Holy Ghost and fire. They got people that feed them, but they need some fire. They need the love of the Holy Spirit. They need something to get into their bones and to break every yoke that has come upon their lives. They need something to come through their ears that will tear down every lie. I don't even have notes. I didn't even know what I was going to preach. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I went to a silent retreat. I guess this is what I got. <laughs> I'm like, ah. It sounds strong. It, but it is strong. Time on earth is running short, guys. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for no one in this room right now. You might not be here tomorrow. Eternity's at the door, and I'm not preaching this in fear like you're going to hell. None of you are going to hell. But the king is coming. The king is coming, and what are we going to present to him? He's like, hey, what did you do with what I gave you? 
I'm here. Be like, what? Oh, I'm here. I came. But what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the testimony? What did you do with that salvation? Remember how I met you? What did you do with that? Well, uh, I went to church and nobody in church believed anything that I had to say, so I stood quiet. It's like, did you guys ever see Chronicles Narnia, Prince Caspian? Part two, Narnia part two, you've seen it? And, and, and the little girl, you see part one, they all encountered the lion, but then they kind of grew up. And then they kind of forgot about the lion. This happens to a lot of Christians. At first, we enter our first love and we encounter the glory of God. Oh, if I would just get baptized with the Holy Spirit, if I would just speak in tongues, if I would just get a word, we just needed one word. But then we became professionals. Now we need 300 words and we're still not doing the first word that he gave us. I don't know, but I feel a little old school today. <laughs> I'm going to just say it. Because we want and want and give me and give me and give me. He's like a little kid that's spoiled, that got a gift for Christmas, never played with it, but is expecting a new toy next Christmas. You wouldn't even play with a toy I gave you in the first place. Can we use what God gave us first and then ask for more later? I'm telling you, if you use what he gave you, he'll multiply it. If you're faithful with the little, more you'll get. But we want more. I want more. I want more. But I'm not doing nothing with the little you first gave me. But what if he did something with that little? What if what people had to say about you didn't even matter? But you just, my dad gave me a treasure. Hey, guys, my dad gave me a treasure. Oh, we don't like it. Okay, well, hey, my dad gave me a treasure. Oh, I don't like it. Hey, my dad gave me a treasure. I love it. Can you teach me? Sure. Now we go together. Well, we don't like it. Hey, God gave us a treasure. They like it, so then they come. Why are we trying to convince the people that don't believe instead of going for the ones that do? And sometimes the biggest unbelievers are in the church sitting on the pews. And the biggest believers are in the streets waiting for a plate of food. Oh. I fed people, and they say, God is real. I was praying right now, and I said, God, if you love me, please send me a plate of food. And you came out of nowhere, and you brought me a plate of food. I'm like, whoa, dude, you just rocked my world. I thought I was just being obedient. But I was. But the Lord says that he supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. So what is that feeling in your heart about feeding the person down the street? It doesn't come from you. It comes from Father. You simply got to obey Father's voice. For he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow. They, they know me and I know them. They do not listen to the voice of a stranger. The voice of a stranger says, don't feed them. They want it for drugs. They're not good. The voice of criticism. But what if they would have criticized you? Do you remember when you got criticized? You remember when people didn't believe you? Remember when you're going through a struggle and nobody called to pray? You remember when your mother was sick and nobody was there to help? So maybe that voice you're hearing is a lie and the voice of God is telling you simply love them and simply go, simply help and simply provide. And sooner than later, they're going to be like, God is good. You don't even know that person's praying right now. And you felt like stopping your car, but you didn't stop your car. But somebody was praying. Because the, no longer you live, but Christ lives in you. 
And he's the one that provides all our needs according to his riches and glory. We're just the vessels. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And it'll be amazing. So right now what we're doing is move with compassion. Move with compassion is just, I want you to, I want you to learn to love. I want you to learn to love. Because you're not going to get to people to heaven if you can't even love them in their hell. Can't. Well, I'm going to love you after you get down from that mess. If you're going to love me after I'm done with my mess, you don't love me. You don't love me. If you want them in your church after they're cleaned, restored, and healed, you don't know love. Because the church people are supposed to be doing the healing, the cleaning, the unbinding. When Lazarus got up from the grave, Jesus gave the word. But who unbound Lazarus? The disciples. We should be doing the unbinding. That means we got to go in the grave. That means we got to go to a stinky place that smells like death. We got to go to where nobody else wants to go. Because he gave us the word. The word is Jesus himself. He says, and you shall be my witnesses when the spirit has come upon you. And you'll go to Jerusalem, you'll go to Judea, you'll go to Samaria, you'll go to the ends of the world, bringing the good news. He wasn't religious. Thou shall be my witnesses. Just the tone alone, if you hear it, it changes the whole dynamic of the story. He's like, you'll go. When my spirit has come upon you, you'll go. You'll tell them the good news. You will see the kingdom and you will announce the kingdom. You'll speak a language that people won't understand. But those that are ready, their hearts will jump. And you'll bring a hope to the hopeless. And you'll bring salvation to the lost. And to those that are sick, you will lay your hands and they will recover. And to the ones that are demon-possessed, you'll command the spirit out of them. And they'll be set free. See the difference? It's like, whoa, oh, that's what he was saying? You see, we think we had a dual responsibility. Well, he's saying greater works than him. I'll do, I got I to gotta do some work. I got to do some work. You ain't doing nothing. It's the Holy Spirit through you. He wants humble, willing vessels. He said, and you'll do. You're going to do greater things than I did in my name. So dream. What do you want to do with me? Where do you want to go? Psalm 2, 8 says, ask of me and I will give you the uttermost parts of the earth as your inheritance. What nation do you want? God's asking you that question right now. Nation, groups of people, what nation do you want? What group of people do you want to impact? There's a group of girls in a detention center here in Tampa Bay. There's also a group of gay people in St. Petersburg. There's a bunch of homeless people in Ybor City. What nation do you want? See, you thought a nation was Africa or Asia, and God is telling you today, let me tell you the real meaning of a nation. Nation is groups of people. You do not need to get on a plane. You simply need to walk down the street. Will you go? Who will tell them? Who will tell them? So what we're doing with Move With Compassion, and this is a message right here. We're opening doors. We're like, uh, look, the gay community. Uh, another door. This is a door for women that have been human trafficked. Uh, 
Timothy Initiative. This is a door to men that experience homelessness. This is a door uh, called Children Network. These are children that are in the foster care system. Uh, this is another door. It's called Living Out Loud. This is for girls that are in a foster care system. And we're literally opening doors, church. Take a pick. Take a pick. Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and I'm not saying this in fear. I'm saying this in excitement. Our time is drawing near. I don't know, but he's looking for gifts. He's coming, and uh, you know that people are precious stones? Read your scriptures. We are a city that's being put together as fitted stones, precious stones. He needs some stones. He needs precious stones for his city. Anybody wants to Bejeweled <laughs> and gather some stones for the king. I started my race a long time ago. That's why some of you are here. It's beautiful. I'm just not going to do it through the eyes of religion. And I'm not going to applaud religion. And I'm not going to applaud fakeness. And I'm not, I'm not going to applaud the word that I feel in my spirit is infertility. We need to be fertile. And there's children in the streets. I know you see them as adults. But they're children in the streets that don't know what they're doing. I know she looks like an older lady. But you don't know that when she was five years old, she was raped by her own father. I know you just see a drag queen, a man dressed in like a woman. But you don't know that the evangelist that came to the church when he was only six years old molested him in the bathroom of the church. But you're accusing him, but you don't even know the trauma that they're carrying. And that's why God is calling us to be moved with compassion. To hear people's stories. To listen to their cry. And not to simply judge their actions. Because some hurt people hurt people. And broken people break things. So what if we just stop trying to make a person that's broken do heal things. How about we focus on healing the person? We don't want hurt people to hurt people. So we want the hurt person to treat people good. It doesn't work that way. What if we focus on healing the hurt? And then the hurt person will become a healed person. And then that healed person can heal people. Like me. Because that's what happened to me. I was a broken person, but the church didn't want to deal with me. Because no, I mean, in the 90s, uh, no. God doesn't. What I was told was God hates Fags. That's the word Christians used. And I was told, you were born to go to hell. I was 19 years old, and that's what people told me. You're born to go to hell. And I was hopeless. I said, well, I haven't done nothing. So if I'm going to go to hell and burn, like, then I need to sin. I need a reason to go to hell. So I'm going to be sinful, and I'm going to be wicked. And I started doing the most sinful, wicked things, and I began to live Hell on earth. I didn't even need to die to go to hell because I was already living in hell. And then I met Jesus. Or Jesus met me. I did go to his house. I moved to Florida thinking I was going to die. And then I go to the sun dome where we were at last week. That's the same place that God spoke to me. Okay? In that big stadium, I got called out. There were thousands of people. And I walked into that place. Because I was hopeless and I was suicidal. 
And I sat in that crowd, and I said, thank you, God, for letting me come to your house, but you don't see me. Look at all these good people here. And that day, in the vast multitude like that, you know what it is that the preacher will stop and go to your seat? And that's, it, was, it used to be called a sundown. Now it's called the yingling. But it was in that place 25 years ago. It was August of 1998 that I walked into that place. There was a big revival in Tampa Bay with Ronnie Howard Brown. And they had their church there. I didn't even know. I was new to Tampa. I saw them on TV. I just needed to go somewhere. But I didn't think it was that big. When I got there, I was like, what? This is crazy big. But to get called out when I said, God, you don't see me. And he stopped the service and came up to where I was at, all the middle of all those people. And he said, why do you say I don't see you? You don't know how glad I am that you're in my house. I waited a year for you to come home. And he said, and you feel death inside of you. You feel like you're going to die. I tell you this. Satan can touch your body, but he cannot touch your soul. And as a matter of fact, he cannot even touch your body because I've called you as a prophet to the nations. And the power of God came upon me and knocked me out. And they picked me up and I was weeping. And he put his hands on my face and he said, and I love you. That was 25 years ago. People love me now. Now I have a, a church. People recognize the craziness I talk about. They're like, it's the Lord. But I've gone at least 21 years of constant rejection, constant criticism, being run out of churches, humiliated from altars because the unbelievers were running churches. Because they couldn't believe. We talk about a God that heals, but when the first broken person walks through the door, we kick them out. The time that the first time a homeless person, I've been in churches where I've seen them walk out the homeless, where I've seen them kick out the gays. But where is this God of salvation then? Where is this God of hope? But God is raising up a church. And I'm not talking about this building, I'm talking about the bride. I'm talking about the bride. I'm talking about those people that were out there. Many of us that are in the church today were the very people that were in the streets 5, 10, 20 years ago. And the people that were in churches 20 years ago, you know where they're at today? In the world. Because they forgot. But the church is arising. The bride is arising. The bones in the desert are coming together piece by piece. The prophets are arising and they're decreeing and declaring not what the world says, not what religion says. The church and the prophets are declaring what the kingdom of heaven has declared. For we don't have a message of ourselves. We have a message from the kingdom of heaven. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because we are going to experience the goodness of God. And the prostitute in the street, she's going to experience the power of God because she's going to meet you. The addict is going to experience the power of God because he's going to meet you. 
Because you are the vessels of God and you are carrying such a great glory inside of you. No longer you live, but Christ lives in you. And the enemy's been speaking to your ears. The enemy's been telling you that you're worthless. The enemy's been telling you that you amount to nothing. No, you amount to everything. The enemy's telling you, keep your mouth silent and don't you give that testimony because the church doesn't want to hear your testimony. The church doesn't need to hear your testimony. And God says, open your mouth, woman of God, because there is deliverance in your testimony. The devil's telling you, you can't sing your song, but the God knows that there is a song because from eternity you used to worship. From eternity you sat with the angels and played unto the Lord. And the enemy's telling you, don't you play that harp in public. And God said, it's time to come out of the secret place and play your harp like David. For there is deliverance, there is breakthrough, there is freedom in your instrument. The enemy's been lying to you, telling you that you're worthless. And the Lord says, you're my star. You're like a sunflower. Okay? You're like a sunflower and there's many seeds in you. And you are feeding the ones that no one can see. So feed with the seed. There's a word in you. There's bread in you. There is life in you. And even the little ones get to eat. Not just the big ones, but the little ones. There is a gift in you. There's a gift in you. And the enemy comes to tell you, shut up. Don't you speak? He says, you belong in the back. God says, you belong in the front. You belong in the front. There is a word in you. I could see this word arising. It's like right here. And it's like you've been asking, Lord, I just I need to, it's like I need to speak. I need to, I need to release the sound. And God says, release the sound of your story. Release the sound of your pain. For there is glory. There is glory right there. You're not releasing pain. You're releasing healing. It's you're pregnant with healing. You're pregnant with healing. I see healing happening. Then the enemy says, shut up. Abort that child. God says, no, release the sound. Release the sound. Release the sound. For there is life. Everything you've been through has purpose. So much purpose. He's belittling it. But God is enlarging it. God is making it greater. God is, I see healing everywhere you go. You're like a ball of light coming into dark places. And people are like this. And as soon as you walk in, they're like, Hey, like that, instant, instant healing. You have a gift of healing upon your life. You don't even need to lay hands. Walk in. You want to talk about Peter's shadow? How about your light? Your light. There's healing in your light. Be you. I see you as a little girl. You were chipper. You were loud. I see this little loud girl. And then all of a sudden it was like shells. And God said, can I break you out of the shell? Can I break you out of the shell? There's glory. Jesus, Jesus, gee, there is glory. Glory, I see you. I see you. You're my precious one, my beautiful one. I'm tearing down the chains. I see God pulverizing your chains. Pulverizing the shackles. It's almost like a shackle was put around your neck to keep you quiet. And God says, you will speak.
being even of the pain that you went through, the abuse and the rejection will heal so many that are hiding in silence. They're all so quiet, but I've chosen you and I've picked you to speak about it. Don't be afraid to speak about it for there is healing and deliverance in it. There's healing and deliverance and you are not going to get the least. You're not, you're not, oh, I just only deserve the worst. No, you don't. You deserve the best. It's the best that you're getting. So get used to it. You get the best. You get the best. You get the best. You're not going to settle. <laughs> you're not going to settle. You're getting the best. For you deserve the best. Thank you, Father. He's turning your mourning into dancing. He's removing the garments of heaviness. And he's giving you garments of praise. And you have slippers of feathers. <laughs> I see these white slippers, but they're literally feathers. And you're going to just like, he blows his breath and you dance on his breath. <laughs> Light as a feather. <laughs> Light as a feather. Mm, his burden is easy. His yoke is light. Easiness, lightness in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So we're opening doors, guys. You want to look at Move at Compassion? Look at Move Compassion is a hallway with doors that are opening with different tribes and different tongues of people that don't know the love of God or people like the girls at the detention center that had been so wounded and so hurt. I remember I went last month and uh, the ladies there were like shocked because one of the young girls, she, Heather and Jeremy were worshiping and were singing and one of the girls got up and the lady's like, oh my God, but this girl told me last week that she's an atheist, that she doesn't believe in God and look at her worshiping. I was like, first of all, that girl is not an atheist. First of all, if she was an atheist, how is she going to know all the worship songs we're singing? I was like, that girl is hurt. And she was hurt by believers. So the worst thing you could do to a believer is tell them you don't believe in their God. I was hurt, so I didn't believe in their God. And they didn't. And that girl believes in God. She was worshiping God like that. She was into it. She was praising God. How can an unbeliever know all the songs? She knew she's just hurt. There's people out there that will not step foot into a church because church hurt them. The traditions and cultures of our church systems hurt them. It doesn't mean they don't believe in God. They still believe in God because when you're not there and they're going through a trial and they want to end their life and they're in their room crying because somebody broke their heart, you know who they're talking to? They're talking to God. Because you know how many times I got hurt? And I was in the world. And I was in church. I got hurt in church. I got hurt in the club. I got church hurt with enemies. I got hurt by lovers. I got hurt by friends. But you know who I was talking to in the middle of the night when nobody was watching? I was still by the side of my bed. God, help me. I don't know if you love me or not, but I need help. You know how many times? You know how many times because you did it too. Because every single one of you has fallen on your knees crying for help to God. When nobody was watching, you were there crying to God. 
when you messed up and nobody knew you messed up, you still cried to God. And he still heard your cry. It wasn't a holy, righteous cry. He just says, cry out to me. Cry out to me and I will answer. He didn't say cry out to me a holy cry or a righteous cry. He said cry to me. Nobody cries a righteous cry. Everybody cries a broken cry. We cry when we're hurt. And he doesn't push us away. Sometimes we got to go through all the hurts just to find out that he's faithful. That he's good. That he's kind. That he's gentle. And if he did it with me. He's going to do it with you. And if he's going to do it with you, he's going to do it with them. Point blank. Period. I'm not changing my mind. If he did it with me, and if he took that broken kid and made him a pastor, hmm, then what can he do with you? If he chose me, the kid that thought had HIV, the kid that was suicidal, and he called him a prophet, then what is he not going to do with you? If he's going to take the girl at the club and give her an organization that's going to lead people to march in a place where Christians have never marched before, then what is God not going to do with them? If he's going to do it with one that's been rejected, but if he's going to do it with one that was abandoned, denied by her own family, not knowing the pains that she's been through, if he did it with you, He's going to do it with them. Right? Right. There's no wrong. I'm sorry. There's no wrong. That's why we're moved with compassion. Because we're going to remember what he did with us. And then we're going to go. And we will tell them. We'll be the lady at the well. Maybe we don't look too proper. Maybe we don't have the... The, the temple behaviors. We don't have the Pharisee, the Sadducees language and philosophies and teachings. But you know what I got? A testimony. I met a man. I met a man and he told me about me. Oh, he, Jesus told me about me. He said, you're a royal priesthood. He says, you're the apple of my eyes. You're the one whose soul I love. He put me in the palm of his hand. Jesus took me to heaven, snatched me away from earth like that. I was that little. And he had me in the palm of his hand. Freaked me out. See, why do you think I drew that picture over there? Because he caught me in his hand. When I, when in 20, 2001, July 29, 2001, Jesus snatched my spirit out of my body, flung me into the glory, and I came back with the craziest story. People thought I was crazy. And I'm like, I'm loved. And the best thing was, come over here. When the giant hand came, come over here, but you stay down there. I was praying. No, you can stay. You can stand there. When I was praying with my people, this giant hand came and grabbed me and pulled me up. I dropped on the ground. <laughs> He's such a good actor. <laughs> he left. I saw him. I promise you, I saw him leave. <laughs> <laughs> and he flung me up. And when I entered that realm, like, it was a realm of love. I don't know how to explain it. There was no air. There was no oxygen. There was only love. It was like, an instant identity. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I can't wait. 
I'm praying that every human being gets taken into the glory and has that love encounter. We're going to have some crazy people running around, I'll tell you that much. But we need, what do you think happened in the upper room? In the upper room, they experienced the fire and glory of God to a point that these people that ran like cowards, they were, in one moment, they were cowards. In the next moment, they were bold like lions. In one moment, they feared for their life. In one moment, they were hiding. In the next moment, they were proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere they went. They feared for their lives, and yet when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, they willingly laid down their lives for the king so many things that we hear we think we're going to do them in our strength and the Lord says it's not by might it's not by power but it's by my spirit I know I'm speaking a prophetic word to you but you cannot try to figure out this prophetic word with your physical mind you need to allow your mind to be renewed through the spirit of God and understand the prophetic word through the spirit don't understand the prophetic word with a carnal mind understand the prophetic word with the spiritual mind and you'll see that it's the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that will unveil and reveal the things that your mind does not know. For things that eye has not seen, things that ear has not heard, things that has not even entered into the minds of men, are the things that God has prepared for those that love him and walk according to his ways. Woo! I don't even know if I'm making sense right now. To be honest, I don't. I feel like I'm just talking but not thinking. I feel like it's like, oh, 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 oh. I feel like it's just coming out and I'm like trying to capture what I'm saying, but I can't. I'm just like, whatever. You guys could rebuke me if I'm saying something that's wrong because I don't think I'm thinking. I don't think I'm thinking. I think I'm just like, well, I'm just like in glory. I'm with this guy riding in the clouds, but my body's still speaking. It's like, it's like you just turn the faucet on, right? You could walk away, but it's still running. It's just going to run. I feel like God does that to some of us. Like, you're like, Ooh. <laughs> whoa, what just happened? <laughs> it's like I'm here and I'm there and I'm like, it's amazing. I don't know how. Anyways, where was I? I just lost myself completely. I don't even know. I just flew away to glory like, whoa. Oh, my God. I'm trying to ground my. I'm like on a rope trying to pull myself back to earth. <laughs> like you think I'm standing, but my feet are dangling up. <laughs> I can't even stop myself. I'm trying to stop. <laughs> it's like weird how it happens. You just go like this. And that's what just happened. <laughs> it's like my brain. <laughs> my brain is trying to process everything that's happening right now. My spirit is like, let it go. glossy like you guys are on the other side of the mirror I'm like come in come in this side like can you see me <laughs> I can't believe it's like not far 
the glory is not far. <laughs> and this is why they think I'm crazy. <laughs> I just went into the reflection, which is the reality. We think we're in the reality, but we're in the reflection. That's exactly what just happened. Whew. I don't know. I know I look, I look crazy, right? <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing you are. <laughs> it's just wild. I want to grab you, pull you in. <laughs> Everybody's going to laugh with you too. <laughs> oh, oh, the hunger. You're a well. You're a well. And it had to happen this way. Because he's been digging, 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 digging. It's just the digging. But what happens when God digs? What happens when God digs? Why would God be digging a well? Yeah, but why is he digging a well? You don't know. Anybody knows why God would dig a well? I have the answer. Because he's going to fill it. So he's digging it deep. Because the filling that's coming is great. It's going to be too intense. So he's digging, 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 going deeper. He's digging a well in you. Because you're going to carry a lot of water. All the thirsty will come and drink of the well that flows from you. So be patient. Because the filling is coming. When he reaches the depth that he needs, he already knows the measurements. He's like, oh, we still need to go deeper. Because he's going to fill it. Is a pouring, there's a cloud coming of glory rain. And it's going to rain directly into your well. And it's going to bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, bubble up. You're going to be chaotic in the kingdom of the enemy. Remember. <laughs> Overflow. <laughs> what happens to those that hunger and thirst of? For righteousness, <laughs> they get fed. <laughs> You're going to get fed. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait. I'm going to laugh at you. <laughs> I'm going to be on the front row. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the front row. I'm going to be like, I see you playing. You're gonna be going, I see you going crazy on the piano. You're like, dun, 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 dun. like I see you just like. Releasing sounds and your hair is just flowing everywhere. You're just like. There's going to be winds as you're playing. Winds. Like you create storms for the enemy. Why? That's why the devil has told you not to play. He's told you to be quiet. He's told you to walk away. Because he's afraid of the power in you. You create storms. You see the tornadoes and storms. They're glorious for the children of heaven, but for the camp of the enemy, you flood them. You flood the enemy with chaos. You bring chaos. Your worship is chaos to the enemy. They fear and tremble with that sound. It sounds like thunder for them. It looks like destruction for them, but for the children of God, the children of God are flying in the world. Like you're singing and playing and they're all taking off. All the kids are like being sucked up and they're just dancing in the whirlwind. But that same whirlwind of glory is chaotic in the enemy's camp. And that's why the enemy wants to discourage you. And that's why the enemy wants to stop you. He doesn't want you to play. 
So you know what you need to do? You need to play. Play. Keep playing. Many people get saved through that sound. Salvation. You're like storm, but through a piano. You just, and the whirlwinds arise. You keep going. Hallelujah. Woo. I just had a whole experience, Jesus. I feel like I literally blacked out. Like, thank you, Father God. What a joy. I just want to release encouragement in the room right now. And I really want to cancel the voice of the enemy to your ears. You will not die, but you will live. You will surely live. You will give an account of the glory of the Lord. You will. I'm telling you, just I see you speaking. I see you speaking. Standing. And I see this beautiful white dress. And you're just standing, declaring. The faithfulness of God. It's the faithfulness of God. Huh? Amen. I see you. Jesus. I don't even know what I was preaching about. Jesus. <laughs> I think you threw a rope on my ankle and brought me up with you, bro. <laughs> I think that's what happened. <laughs> like you just like, whoa. It swung me up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. So, like I was saying earlier, Move Through Compassion is opening doors. So you guys can go out. There's this other event coming up. Remember Sue sent? Um, what was it called? There's an event coming, I think, June 15. And this ministry, what they're doing is they're going to do, it's almost like a, like it's a class where you're going to, Go in and you 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 they give you like a paper and it's almost like a role playing game, but what they're gonna do is that they're it's just to develop passion for people in the streets and people that are like in Medicare are going through different things right that that other people don't understand and struggles so it's like they give you a card with a certain description and then you're gonna role play. And so you could learn and see what it is, how difficult it is to go get the help that you need. And if, if you're homeless and you're trying to find a place to live, it's a whole role-playing setup that they do. And I really want to invite you guys. If anybody's interested, please see me afterwards. Because what it's going to do is exposing the church to the struggles of the world. Because how can we minister to a people where we don't even understand what they're going through? The scripture says that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw that the people were hungry, when he saw that the people were harassed, when the, he saw that the people were shepherdless. He was moved. That's why he was moved with the lady at the well. Yeah, the law says stay away from her. Yeah, he was moved with compassion for the lady with the issue of blood. He was moved with compassion for the blind man. He was moved by the little short guy. Like, I'm trying to see Jesus. He climbs up a tree. Like, yo, Jesus. That's desperation. I'm going to climb a tree. I need Jesus. He was moved when those people tore the roof down. We will be offended if somebody just started breaking the roof right now. How dare you? We'll be offended if somebody ran through the doors right now screaming, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. We'll be offended. Because that's what we do. But Jesus was moved with compassion for the people. And he gave them what they needed. The woman issue of blood, the law says she wasn't even supposed to be there. But she was willing to lay down her broken life. What else did she have? 
She was going to die anyways. She was literally going to die anyway. So might as well die trying to touch Jesus than to die alone somewhere. And then Jesus chose those same broken, hurting people to go. They didn't even need all the discipling like the disciples did. The demon-possessed man of Gerardine was ready to go get his nation. So he's like, no, no, can, can I be one of your disciples? And Jesus is like, no, you could go. You could go. Get your people saved. Tell, the whole, tell them all about me. He laughed. We don't talk about him. Oh, is he a Christian? Oh, I don't think so. He still went. He just went and spoke of a man. Jesus had not even died on the cross. The lady at the well, she went before Jesus died. Before Jesus died on the cross, she already went to preach about Jesus. This is what God does. He's raising uh, people that are like, goof, let's go. Let's go. So we, we want to start the hearts. We want to start stir the hearts, the church, to be moved with compassion. So... People can experience the compassion of the Lord. And it's not agreement. People think, oh, well, you're going to those parades or you're going to the prisons or you're feeding the homeless because you're in agreement. No, it's quite the contrary. It's because I'm against it. I'm not against the people. I'm against the spirits that are attacking them. The poverty, the curses, the rejection that we need to be there to stand against that rejection. Because if not, they're going to keep running further and further away from God. Somebody needs to draw them in with ribbons of love. It's ribbons of love. It's the goodness of God that will lead a man to repentance, not the shaming. People want to shame, but the moment you start shaming them, oh, they get offended. I'm like, you're out here with the street signs. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. How about you going to burn? Oh, you can't tell me that. Wait. So the same thing you're dishing out can't be dished at you? The Bible says that what you give is what you receive. So if we give condemnation, then what do we get? Condemnation. But if we give love, what do we get? Love. If we give joy, we get joy. If we give salvation, we get he says, forgive, and you will be forgiven. So if we go to the streets, but we don't preach forgiveness, then are we forgiven? Thunk. Point made. It's not agreement. Somebody, imagine. You, you see a, a puppy, you just smack it. You want the puppy to feed itself? No, you feed it. You draw it in with love. But if you see a puppy and you go punch it, that puppy's going to punch you you and never want to be close to you so God is calling us to go with ribbons of love hey can I tell you about Jesus usually when you treat people good and you treat people with kindness and love people automatically ask why you treat me this good you know people walk by me all the time and they never want to feed me people walk by me all the time they never want to talk to me but you're speaking to me why then you go, hey, I need to tell you why. Because Jesus, Jesus loved me first. And I was in a place just like you were in that place. And Jesus began to heal me. And Jesus gave me a word. And now my life is different. This is why I'm able to see you. This is why I'm at the prison. I'm not like, I don't have a checklist. 
I believe every single one of those girls at LOL, at, at the um, detention center, oh, at all the other places we don't even know about, they deserve love. And you know what they need? They need you. They need you. So again, I come against every discouraging, lying word that you are worthless, that God can't use you, that God can't do nothing with you. It's the opposite. God is ready. He is the author. And he is the finisher of your faith. And the good work he began in you. He's faithful to complete it. All you got to do is follow his footsteps. He said, my word is a lamp unto your feet and is a light unto your path. So follow the footsteps. And just, hey, in, in, in Song of Solomon, he says, follow the footsteps where I lead my lovers. He left the trail. All you got to do is skip it, skip it, skip it. You don't even have to leave an imprint. Put your foot into his footprint and take another step. And you'll be surprised how much church life will change for you. It will change. That's why I could go for hours. Because I'm like, I'm not going out of religious duty. Romans chapter 8 says, I did not receive a spirit of religious duty. So I would feel like I'm, I would fear that I'm never good enough. No. I've received the spirit of, the, of God, which is the Holy Spirit, that gives me the right to cry out, Abba, Daddy. So I trust Daddy. I don't got it right. But I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to finish. This weekend, this past week, I was at the silent retreat. And later on, maybe next week, I'll speak more about the silent retreat. Um, but there's a poem that the Lord gave me. And I want to bless you guys with it. And you don't have to go on a silent retreat to be silent. You could practice a little bit of silent here alone. Um, go to a nature trail. Maybe sit in your car. Go to the beach and just no music, no sound. Just you and the Lord. You'll be surprised what he shows you. So he gave me this poem as I was in the silent retreat. Um, and I titled it, The Things That Happen When You Are Silent. Time is ticking. The birds are singing. The air is blowing when you are silent. Water is running. The grass is greener. The thoughts get sweeter when you are silent. The leaves are fanning. The ants are crawling. The giggles giggle when you are silent. Yellow is brighter. The sun is warmer. The chill is crispier when you are silent. The river is flowing. The falls are roaring. Glare on rocks dancing when you are silent. When you're quiet and you be still, you'd be surprised how, how much of the glory of God is really around you already. Isaiah chapter 6 says, and the whole earth is full of the glory of God. The only thing that's coming in the latter days, when he says, and I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh, it says, and the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. It's not that the glory is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, for the whole earth is already full of his glory. It's we are coming into knowledge that God was always present. We're the, we, we've been walking in darkness, and now we're entering marvelous light. We're like, what? No way. I promise you, I encountered the Lord. I was like, no, no, no. This whole time, you were here? He's like, yeah. And I said, I would never leave you. I said, but we couldn't see you. He's like, yeah, I know, but I've been here the whole time. And then he shows me the whole world, and I'm like, whoa. 
This is awesome. So I just want to encourage you. Keep, keep going deeper with God. Keep listening to his voice in the stillness. Don't make, don't make decisions in chaotic moments. We make decisions in moments of peace. If there's chaos, you just got to be still. And when the stillness comes, then you make a decision. Do not make a decision based on fear. Make a decision based on perfect love. And all things will work out. The enemy will rush you by putting fear or chaos. But no, be still. Wait, I ain't making no decision. I'm not quitting my job. I'm not breaking this relationship. I'm not moving churches. If you're going to move church, move church because it's good. Don't leave because it's bad. Leave it good. Leave your job good. Leave relationships good. Yeah, you know what? I feel like our friendship is over. But I want to tell you thank you. I'm going to take you out to dinner, blah, 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 and move on in a good way. Don't move on in chaos. Move on in peace. And I don't know who that's for because that just came randomly out of nowhere. Like, bloop, that's for somebody. Take it. Take it. Amen? We could stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.